Hi, I'm Nick. I'm Rory. And I'm Jay. And this is Midnight Chats, an Octivagant companion show where we sit down with your favorite paranormal authors, investigators, and researchers and have a chat about their work, the phenomenon, and all the strangeness in between. On this episode, we are joined by the former assistant director of Northern California for MUFON, a former MUFON abduction specialist, and co-founder of the Opus Experiencer Support Organization, Les Velez. And what an interview it was. Oh, you said it this time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We got to keep the listeners on their toes. Yeah, yeah. Next time, we'll just replace me with like a a gorilla on cocaine and we'll see if anyone notices. I think everybody would notice since you're kind of like the lead interviewer. I think they'll also notice by the sound of you two screaming as you're torn limb from limb by a coked out gorilla. Yeah. Yeah, there's that too. So I guess that would be like the end of Noctivigant. And what a way to end. With a coked out gorilla. Yeah. So on the topic of Les Velez. Just uh, like the psychic painted. Uh, I thought Le- you know, Les was a very knowledgeable guy. Uh, he had a lot of insight into the abduction experience. And weirdly enough, uh, a lot of what he said really did fall in line with the things we're reading in Streeper's work right now. I mean, uh, we shouldn't be surprised, but here we are. Yeah, I mean, I was a little surprised, but no, that's that's fine. No, I was too. I was, and I was impressed by the quickness of his responses to a lot of the what I thought was kind of more out there or harder questions, and he was just ready to go. Well, I mean, one thing to think about is that a lot of people we talk to, they've been doing what we've been doing, but for like thirty years. Yeah, no, that's so. Fair. Yeah, that's they're fair. gonna have a lot of uh, canned answers ready to go. Not not to say what he said was candy. It uh, had a lot of great insights there. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's stop rambling about it and let the listeners listen. Hey, let's do it. All right, let's go. Yay. And we are on the line with Les Velez. Uh, Les, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Oh, you're quite welcome. Pleasure to be here. Uh, we're happy to have you. Now, uh, getting into our first question right off the bat, there's a question we ask all of our guests uh, because we are a book club, which is, what are you reading and what sort of books do you gravitate towards? Well, that's an easy question to answer because, of course, uh, I've been in the, involved with the paranormal for, for years. Mm-hmm. So most of my reading has been uh, uh, gravitating in that direction. Uh, uh, Kathleen Martin's book, uh, Extraterrestrial Contact, has been one. Uh, uh, Gwen Farrell's book, uh, uh, Forbidden Questions, uh, which relates to the abduction phenomena. Uh, okay. So there, there's a plethora of books of that ilk that, uh, you know, uh, and I'm, I'm constantly getting things. Matter of fact, on our website, opusnetwork.org, we have a recommended reading section, which has a ton of books uh, that are still available on Amazon. Uh, that you can uh, look at, uh, which uh, most of which pertain to the paranormal. 
I, I actually noticed that. It's uh, funny. I, I ended up pulling several titles from that into our awaiting uh, book list of things we might cover on upcoming episodes. Great. Now, if you had to pick, though, a single favorite book, what do you think it would be? It could be from the world of the paranormal or not. Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you, one that really affected me uh, quite a bit uh, uh, probably is uh, Rachel's Eyes uh, by Helen Luttrell. Uh, which uh, chronicles uh, her daughter's uh, uh, college experience with a, a hybrid um, uh, person. Huh. <laughs> and, uh, it, uh, and it also involves the military. And uh, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. And uh, uh, she was regressed uh, uh, by one of the uh, members of the Opus board. Uh, and... Uh, so we got a quite a bit of detail in that book. So that book to me is probably uh, one of the ones that uh, I talk about almost every time I'm interviewed. Uh, uh, so I guess uh, that would be probably the top of my hit parade. That sounds really cool. I'm going to have to look into that. Yeah, right. for sure. All right. Well, moving on to our second question. Um, so for our listeners at home who may not have heard of Opus, can you just give us a quick rundown of what Opus is and how it came to be? Sure. Yeah, well, OPUS stands for the Organization for Paranormal Understanding and Support. And uh, this, uh, we became a nonprofit organization back in 1994 uh, with our mission basically to help people having paranormal experiences. And it all came about uh, through uh, a long process, actually, uh, if you will, that uh, when I was 11 years old, I, I saw an object uh, when I lived in Connecticut that scared the hell out of me and uh, uh, ran into the house and tried to get my father to come out to see this thing. And by the time he came out, it was gone. And uh, he said, oh, it's probably a beacon of light reflecting off a cloud. This was uh, huh. uh, a late October evening. And well, so I went to the library that, you know, soon thereafter and picked up a couple of books by uh, George Adamski, who was the big uh, a proponent of the UFO phenomena back in the like late fifties. Oh, yeah. And, uh, uh, so, uh, I really got into it for a while, but then, you know, life, uh, moved on and I kind of forgot about the whole thing and went to college, got married, had kids. And one day I got an offer, a job offer out in California and I moved out to California in 1985. And, uh, picked up the San Jose Mercury News, as it was called at that time. Now it's just a Mercury News. And uh, Stanton Freeman was going to come to San Jose City College to talk about UFOs and the government cover-up. Well, it was like somebody threw a, a switch. And I said, oh, my goodness, I have to go there and, and see what he's, he's going to talk about. So I did expect to see just a handful of people, but the auditorium was packed. He did a fantastic presentation. And... Uh, uh, as I'm walking out into the foyer uh, uh, of the auditorium, uh, MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, which was established in 1969, had a table there. And uh, they, they, they publish a, a, a monthly journal. And so I decided, okay, I've got to get that. Uh, you know, I've got to start reading more about this stuff and see what the, what the, what the world has to offer. And uh, 
after a while, that wasn't enough for me. And uh, they have a uh, field investigator training course that they they have. And, and so I got the manual and studied and took the test, passed the test, and uh, soon thereafter went out in the field with uh, a more experienced uh, investigator. But the cases that we got involved with, almost without exception, were not only sightings, uh, because MUFON was pretty much a nuts and bolts type of an organization for many, many years. Um, they all turned out to be abduction type cases where people felt that they had contact with non-human intelligences. So, I, I, you know, then that's when things got really, you know, interesting for me. And uh, um, these people would ask me, do I know of other people having similar circumstances? And I said, yes, I do. So next thing I know, I'm facilitating a support group in San Jose, California. And uh, that's when I started to hear all kinds of stories and, and things that these people were going through. And it was quite traumatic. And these people had no place to turn, no place whatsoever, because it was, you know, they were afraid that people would think they were crazy. Uh, and a lot of them had already gone to psychologists or psychiatrists and found out that they weren't crazy. So then what? Where do you turn? You can't turn to your clergy. You can't turn to your, uh, turn to your family. You can't, you know, you certainly don't want to talk about it at your job <laughs> because you might lose it. And, and so it became quite evident uh, that there, there needed to be an organization set up uh, to help these people. And uh, I happen to be written up in a, uh, the Monterey Coast Weekly paper uh, one, one, uh, month. And, uh, uh, this was like, uh, 92 or three time frame, And, um, uh, I got a, I got a call from a woman down in Carmel, California that said she wanted to understand what was going on with her brain, but when she was in contact with these off earthly entities. And so I said, Ooh, okay. And then she said, she, you know, she was working with a uh, emergency room doctor down down there in Carmel, and I had a doctor friend in, that was also a member of MUFON that was very interested in contacting other doctors uh, interested in the phenomena. So I called him up and I said, "Let's go down there and see this 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 woman." And uh, we did one Saturday afternoon. And uh, as we walked in, there was a, a, a picture on the wall, and it, it was her standing on the back of a, of a rather large vessel. And I said, what's this all about? She says, oh, I was helping these treasure hunters in the Caribbean. I said, well, how were you helping them? She says, well, I was in contact with the captain of the galleon uh, that had gone down. And I said, well, that, that, that was the start of this incredible afternoon where she started to tell us things about ourselves, my, my doctor friend and I, uh, Eugene Lipson. And uh, uh, it was just incredible. So we came away from that afternoon saying, how can we help people like this? And so that's when the idea of Opus was hatched. And uh, so a long answer to your, your quick question, <laughs> how, how this all came about. And uh, yeah, and of course, uh, this book that I just recently published, The Unknown Other and the Existential Proposition of Alien Contact, uh, chronicles all of that. Plus all the things that experiencers uh, come in contact from a physical aspect, psychological aspect. We talk about implants. We talk about hybrids. We talk about, um, you know, the the uh, debunkers and what they come up with as far as, you know, sleep paralysis and uh, 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 
false memory syndrome, uh, things of that nature, which, you know, really is, is not a factor. It's just truly not a factor. Um, now, I'm curious, in all those years working for MUFON, uh, working with abductees, about if you had a ballpark, about how many cases of abduction do you think you, uh, you interacted with? Oh, gosh. <laughs> thousands. Thousands. I mean, we literally get, um, Opus has set up a, a, a website, as I mentioned earlier, and you can see it behind me here, <laughs> yeah opusnetwork.org and there's a support button on there and people can contact us and uh, request uh, various types of help whether or not they want to go into this confidential uh, uh, support group uh, uh, or uh, they would like to uh, see a hypnotherapist or something along those lines or uh, you know a mental health practitioner and so uh, we get literally two to three every couple of days oh wow <laughs> that are contacting us and that's been literally since 1994 so figure that out <laughs> what that comes to have you noticed any uh i guess shifts in the trends over time are they is this experience becoming more common um less common over the years i think i think it's 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 hard to determine that because i think our communication capability has certainly increased with uh, shows like you have, uh, all the podcasts that are going on, uh, our, our, our cell phones, the internet, uh, the TV programs that are on there. Uh, I think more and more people are becoming aware of the fact that something is going on and, and they need, a lot of them have a, a tremendous need uh, to uh, try to understand what, what's going on. And what we found is that we're getting a lot of older people that are coming to us hmm. that are saying, you know, I had this experience when I was 15 or 12 or something, you know, or even younger. A lot of them are younger uh, when they have the first experience. And uh, they say that, you know, they've been carrying this with, you know, within them for so long. They've got to talk about it. They got to unload before they die literally i've had i've had conversations with people that say you know uh, i i just i can't take it anymore i have to talk to somebody about this happened uh, you know uh, am i crazy you know and then when you you hear the story and then you tell them that you know what other people are having very similar circumstances and you know if you, you tell them about the roper or, uh, organization that did a poll in the early 90s that uh, uh, Bud Hopkins and David Jacobs uh, uh, requested and Bigelow, Robert Bigelow paid for it, uh, <laughs> that there was like 6 million people at that time in the United States that had experiences like that. But then move forward in time, how many more people have had it? And this is a worldwide phenomenon. There's, <laughs> this is not just relegated to the United States. It's all over. And our support group, which is almost 300 people in it right now from literally all over the world, Australia. I just got one from Greece the other day, a doctor that uh, contacted us. Okay. Uh, we have it from Turkey. We have it from South America. We have it from Africa, South, South Africa. We, we've got a couple of people down there. And then of Australia, New Zealand. Um, haven't had anybody from uh, China yet, but uh, of course they have their own issues over there mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and of course they have one of the largest ufo organizations in the world over there i think it's bigger than mufon um so uh 
there, there's a real understanding about that, but I guess we don't get through the, the, the firewall over there. Right. Now, I'm, I'm curious because, you know, you, uh, you, get, you and uh, Opus probably see, I mean, obviously, if you're saying you see two a day, you see tons and tons of, of different people. Do you think since uh, COVID and the pandemic that you've seen an increase in the number of people that have been like reaching out to Opus? And I asked because we recently read a book and, it's, and it was talking about how historically after these large traumatic events, you see this increase in interest in the paranormal. So I wonder if with that interest, if more and more people have come to see that maybe something happened in their life that they were that, you know, and now they're trying to come to grips with it and maybe the pandemic set them off. Yeah, I, I think that that's a distinct possibility because I think, you know, we're we're confined. For me, COVID was, you know, the, the bad part was, you know, possibly getting sick. The good part was I had all this time to write the book. <laughs> <laughs> So, so yeah. I, I think that, you know, there's a lot of time to contemplate during things like this, where you're cooped up in your house and you can't go out and you can't do a lot of different things that you would normally do to take your mind off things. So, uh, yes, I, I totally agree with that uh, assumption. Thank you for that answer. Uh, I've actually, we've actually been wondering about that, thinking about people locked up during lockdown, mm -hmm. especially because people are home more often, like not specifically mm -hmm. talking about abductions, but you know, maybe you maybe some people did have a minor haunting in their home, but they didn't notice it because they were always before the lockdown. Go, go, go. But now they were locked into a room with it and eventually, you know, start to notice some things. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I have this vivid memory of like in month two of the lockdown, someone I was friends with on Tumblr was like, geez, all the people secretly living in other people's houses are having a fuck of a time right now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, uh, continuing our conversation about abductions, uh, we're currently working through a slog of books by Whitley Strieber on our main show. Um, mm -hmm. And through those books, Strieber famously explores the, the perceived spiritual components of the abduction experience, mm -hmm. which has also been reported throughout, all, throughout experience or literature. Um, so what do you make of the reports of the others having a spiritual nature as opposed to a physical one? Well, the whole experience is a spiritual journey. I mean, so you can just wrap that all up into one big ball and call it a spiritual journey, uh, whether it's a positive one, whether it's a negative one. Uh, it's it, people are coming to the realization that there is a different reality. And part of that reality is 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 some of these things that uh, people talk about in terms of uh, uh, the physical nature of it, the psychological nature of it. Uh, so I am a firm believer that the outcome of these experiences is that people have a different worldview, totally different worldview. Uh, you know, they're they're told these 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 things that we need to be better stewards of the planet. We need to be better to one another. We need to, to love rather than hate. I mean, these are all very positive, uh, you know, uh, notes that, that uh, people are, 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 are given. And uh, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, more and more people have these experiences so that perhaps at some time we will come to the realization that war sucks uh, it, it doesn't have a, a good endpoint, and that we just need to be more loving to one another. And and so yes, it's just a huge spiritual event. Interesting. Uh, now that is one aspect, though, that of the phenomenon that we haven't really seen 
the mainstream disclosure push uh, getting here. In fact, they seem to avoid it uh, like the plague. So mm-hmm. what do you think it's going to take for us for that to kind of enter into the public conversation where people are talking about another world or they're talking about the spiritual journey that you go on through an abduction experience? Well, I think two thoughts on that. One, one is I think that we eventually will reach critical mass because uh, all everyone, I, I believe probably everyone, you, Jay. Rory, me, we've probably all had an experience, but we may not remember it. And I think that's, that, that is a phenomena that is worldwide. And so one day we are all going to wake up to the fact that, yes, there's another way to live in this world. And it's going to be a, a lot better place to be in. Um, so uh, it, it's, you know, I, I think that I remember when I first got started, I, you know, I felt I needed to proselytize about the fact, Hey, people wake up, there's <laughs> something going on. You gotta, you gotta take this seriously. You know? And I finally said, this is a waste of time. Uh, you know, people are going to believe what they, they, they believe. And eventually people will come around. Now, do we need like a Lou Elizondo to, to, to push, push the, uh, the abduction or the uh, contact phenomena? Uh, more vigorously. Matter of fact, I'm trying to get him to be on my show. Uh, I have an interview series that I do uh, that you can find all the interviews that I've done, like with Linda Howe and uh, Steve Bassett and people like that. Uh, um, but uh, uh, it, it's 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 something that uh, you know. First of all, we've got this first big step that we're going to look at the UAP phenomena. And, uh, you know, uh, I had lunch with uh, Lou Elizondo a couple of years ago before COVID shut everything down and uh, had a fascinating uh, conversation with him uh, with regard to the fact that they think they understand how these things operate, which he's never said that publicly anywhere. No, he has not. Yeah. And uh, uh, so uh, it's basically an interaction between the skin of the craft and the power source, which he says it's not uh, element 115. Uh, <laughs> they don't need that much. So, uh, so I mean, they know a hell of a lot more than they're, they're telling the public right now. And uh, so, so if we can get that first step really going in the right direction, then it's obvious that the next step is to start communicating with these people that are having these experiences. And of course, it's already going on with the government. The government's already doing that, a la uh, Gary Nolan from Stanford University and Kit Green, uh, former CIA and probably still CIA. And, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, they've, they've already, you know, looked at uh, people that are psychic and they, they saw that in their brains, the, in the, uh, the, the caudate putamen area, that there's a lot more connections with people that have that ability and it's, and it runs in the family. And so it's the old chicken and the egg. Did the, did the aliens start that process by changing our DNA or in some people? And that's why they're followed, uh, which is one of the questions that many experiencers ask, you know, why me? Uh, and uh, so it's, it's, it's an incredible phenomena. And, and we're just, you know, 
hitting the tip of the iceberg, so to speak. Uh, there's so much more to this thing and there's so many levels to it. You know, mm-hmm. once you start going down that rabbit hole, um, <laughs> it gets really wild. That is something that we say constantly on the show. It's just, uh, the, you know, we, when we started this, it was like, oh, you know, this will be fun. We'll talk about ghosts and aliens. <laughs> and, and now it's like we've spiraled so far into like how to all, you know, how everything interconnects and touches each other. And it's all like, yes. it's, it's, but it's so, it's so, it's so interesting because of the commonalities between so, so many things that forever you would think had no relation to each other. And yet here we are, you know, talking about how, all of these really obscure things might actually all be related in some form, you know? Yeah. That, that's, that's a good jump off point for, for me, Rory, uh, because uh, we just recently uh, completed the first phase of what we call the Omega four study, uh, which is a follow on to the Omega three study, which, which I was involved with, uh, which I can talk about a little bit later, but uh, the uh, Omega four study, what we did was we went out to uh, therapists that are working with people that f- have felt that they, they had contact with non-human intelligences. And one of the things that uh, we came away with was the fact that uh, the number one thing that people are dealing with uh, are the grays. It's, it's the grays, which are really, in, in a way, is kind of uh, comical because it seems like uh, when, you, when, you, when you come in contact with the grays, you're not only coming in contact with the grays, you're coming right. in contact with uh, Nordics, you're coming yep. in contact with mantis-type people, you're mm-hmm. coming in contact with reptilians, uh, tall grays, uh, you know, all kinds of different things. But the number one thing that all these uh, patients of theirs talked about were the grays. And they, they're, they're like... All, all these other races use grays. It's like there must be a, a big store in the universe that uh, all these other uh, uh, civilizations go to and say, I'll take two of those grays, and then we're going to go down and we're going to abduct somebody. Yeah. And, and because they don't want to deal with us because we're hostile. We're, we're violent people. Yeah. And uh, I've, I've had experiences with people biting the grays, ripping an arm off in one case. <laughs> it's pretty pretty wild so but the number one thing that people talk about are seeing grays the second thing is orbs okay that was the number two thing the third thing was interdimensional beings and the fourth was ghosts mm, interesting all of this is connected it totally is connected w- whatever it is that you know whether it's spiritual awakening it's uh, poltergeist activity uh angels demons you name it, it, it it's all connected Interesting. So actually, you uh, you just hit upon another question that we had here. Mm-hmm. One thing that really struck us about Opus when we were looking into the organization was that you're not exclusively focused on UFOs, ET, or the abduction experience. As you said, it's about paranormality in general. Mm-hmm. Um, do you get many people reaching out to you for about phenomenon outside of UFOs, or does that yes, tend to populate yes, your yeah. work? It, it. We are. It's interesting. Yes, you're absolutely right. We we don't focus only on one thing. However, as it turns out, the majority of people that uh, come to us are talking about experiences uh, very similar to, uh, you know, contact with non-human intelligences, whether you call them aliens, extraterrestrials, interdimensionals, uh, time travelers, uh, military, or all the above, which I believe it is. It's all, it's all the above. Uh, but 
just recently, I've, I've, I've had more cases that are starting to come to me with the possession, uh, demon possession Interesting. and things of that nature, which gets to be an area that I'm not super familiar with, but I, I have contacts with other people that, uh, have had more experience in that area. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, we, we're open to anything regarding the paranormal. And if we don't know what, what to do about it, we, we try to find out how to, how to deal with it. it it's interesting because uh, your approach sounds a lot like a social worker to me. Uh, you, know, you, you, you curtail these lists of resources and other people to send them to, and you work with them to get them what they need. That is, that's very, very cool. Um, so I guess kind of asking you to get uh, a little more speculative I, I know you mentioned that uh, the fourth most common thing people report during their experiences is seeing ghosts and the dead. Uh, on that note, do you have, uh, I guess, any pet theories as to why that may be? What uh, what our loved ones are doing on the UFOs with the Greys? Well, I, I think that uh, one of the things uh, in the book, I talk about uh, one of the people uh, in the support group uh, who wrote a story about his experiences and uh, with the aliens and uh, one of the things they talked about uh, was the fact that reincarnation is absolutely a universal factor that okay. this this does go on and and that uh, you know you may you may have been a, an alien in a past life uh, matter of fact one of the one of the the, the people in, the, in our in the support group that I was facilitating in San Jose years ago said to me, I've seen you before. I said, really, where? UFO conference? Uh, <laughs> grocery store? No, no, no. I saw you on board the craft. I said, really? And I kind of blew it off. I, you know, <laughs> so, um, and it was like a year and a half, two years later, somebody said, hey, I've seen you before. Really? Where? You know, UFO conference? I, no, no, no. You were sitting on this bench naked on board the craft and you were freaking out. And they told me to go over to you to calm you down. Huh. So, <laughs> So at that point, I decided, okay, I'm going to go get regressed and see, see, see if I can find out anything along those lines. Well, I found out nothing along those lines. However, I had multiple past lives, multiple past lives. And then one of the people that I subsequently talked to about this said that perhaps you had an abduction in a past life that you, you're, you know, that this person somehow is tapped into. And there's been many instances of people uh, remembering past lives and even having uh, symptoms of the past life. Like this one person had, when they were born, they had three missing fingers. And the person that they remembered being was this person that had the three fingers cut off. And then another one, another one had a, a bullet hole, a mark of a bullet hole in their chest. And this person in a past life was shot right in that same spot so it, it it gets so wacky i mean you know so incredibly bizarre um because we just don't understand it we don't understand the mechanics of all of this and uh, whether we ever will is a is a big question the, that is the the biggest question some might say whether or not we'll actually understand any of this mm. that's right all we can do, hopefully, you know, or certainly is talk about it and then try to figure it out. And, and in the meantime, help people uh, that are having these experiences that are quite traumatized by it. And the interesting thing about that is, is the fact that during our studies, uh, uh, 
And, and the, the free organization did a study, a massive study, uh, where like 70 to 80% of the people that have had these experiences want them to continue. They don't want them to stop. Yeah. And so there's that small uh, minority of people that want it to stop. And, and so, you know, we try to help, help them as well with, with those uh, types of cases. Just real quick before we move on to the next question, you just made me think of something. Uh, one thing that's come up pretty frequently in the literature that we've read is that kind of that other world, the spirit world, wherever the others come from, uh, at least where they may be coming from, that that may mm-hmm. be a place outside of time, like the, that they see time differently than we do. And just right. maybe think if we do reincarnate, if we do have the option of reincarnating as different species, it, would it be possible because you're existing in, a, in that world out of time to be your own abductor? Basically, like your past life is abducting you in your current life. I don't know. I don't know, but it's a fun <laughs> thought. Uh, it hurts my brain. Well, well, there's there's been stories about people that uh, uh, come back uh, before they've been abducted. <laughs> they 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 remember an abduction consciously, but they come back before it actually happened. So there, they seem to be able to manipulate time and space. Interesting. Um, which which seems to be a a, a another head scratcher. I've scratched I've scratched my head a lot. That's why uh-huh. I don't have any hair up here. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I'm fairly sure if that happened to me, I'd be scratching my head till I hit brain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you did you, you did mention that there's a small minority of people who have these ongoing experiences, but are kind of like get this shit out of my life. I don't want to deal with that. Yes. And also, interesting fact from my theology background, there's a similar thing that goes on with near-death experiences. Most people find their near-death experiences to be spiritually enlightened. Other people, it's the single most traumatic thing that will ever happen to them. And I was just wondering, uh, based on your your years of experience with this, do you have any, uh, again, any pet theories about why we see that kind of, that that spectrum of responses to these experiences? And do you think that gives us any insight into the motivation of the others that were, were having these different responses? Yeah, uh, there was a, a doctor, and I can't remember her name. Uh, she was on a kayaking uh, uh, vacation down in South America and went over a falls. You guys may know about her. And uh, she got trapped uh, under the falls for over 30 minutes. And during that period of time, uh, she encountered these, these warm and loving entities and, uh, she, she was ready to go with them. And, uh, they told her, no, 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 you can't, you have things to do. And then they told her that, uh, her son who was small at that time, little, uh, that, uh, uh, he would, he would pass away after his 18th birthday. And so, she went, you know, obviously got rescued, came out of this whole situation, uh, certainly had a near-death experience during that period because not many people can survive being underwater for over 30 minutes. And uh, she didn't think much about the, uh, the, the comment about her son dying. Uh, well, shortly after his 18th birthday, he got into a car accident and, and died. And there's been other numerous cases where you know near-death experiences people have seen these most of them most of them uh the majority have been very positive there's been there's been some that have been negative uh but uh 
the bottom line on all of this is that this this is another way and you know people die on the table and they 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 float above their bodies and they look down and they can tell what's going on in the room and then when they come back to life they can tell the doctor what the hell happened yeah. <laughs> in, mm -hmm. in there so you know this astral body our energy which never dies and uh, you know so yeah our physical body dies but our our soul if you will our our spirit does not and we continue on and uh so uh <laughs> again it's another phenomena which is again all connected to all of this paranormal activity very interesting uh, thank you for that answer um kind of shifting gears a little bit here uh, another thing that we've previously explored on our show is the life of john mack specifically mm -hmm. through uh, ralph blumenthal's book the believer which focused mm -hmm. heavily on the difficulties he faced by the experiencer in modern society especially right. if they go public about what happened to them uh with organizations like opus and other online communities now available to experiencers have you noticed any changes in i guess the experiencer experience uh, are there any cha challenges in the modern day which maybe those in Mac time didn't have to face? Well, it's good question. By the way, uh, I uh, we we have been talking about that in the support group, which I monitor every day. Um, the, the people have some of them are very afraid to, to come out uh, and and talk about their uh, their experiences. Matter of fact, one of uh, the people, Adam Burns, who's who's written up in my book, uh, is actually going to be uh, discussing the second part of his interview with Linda Howe tonight, and uh, uh, and he's very much in favor of coming out and telling this story because he feels it's very necessary. And more and more people um, uh, in the experiencer realm uh, are are having that feeling that they need to do something. They need to come out and do them. I, I have another one. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Terry Lovelace. Uh, Terry Lovelace uh, wrote a book uh, about the incident at Devil's Den, and uh, which is a remarkable book. He's, he's a good friend of mine. As a matter of fact, he's on our advisory board. Very cool. And he finally became a, 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 a hypnotherapist because he wants to help people. Uh, and matter of fact, I just talked to him today. Uh, and I, I sent him another client. Um, and, and, and so uh, the network is increasing. Uh, more and more people, MUFON now has established the ERT, the Experiencer Resource Team, uh, which is uh, mandated by MUFON to help people that are having experiences like this which I had a lot to do with in the very beginning. Back in 2007, uh, I went to the international director, uh, uh, James Carrion, uh, at the time was the uh, international director, and said, you know, you guys have been a nuts and bolts type organization for so long. You need to really pay attention to these people that are having contact. They're, you're missing the boat. And so they finally, you know, said, okay, fine. So all these calls that were coming into MUFON were redirected to me. And so I did triage on those and tried to help these people. And uh, subsequently, uh, uh, the light bulb finally went on that they should do this themselves. And so that's that the ERT was established a couple of years ago. And uh, so uh, I'm not, you know, involved at, at that level anymore with them, but I'm still a member of the ERT as well as a research consultant. Um uh, 
And, and back in those days, uh, 2007 timeframe, uh, they asked me to put together a, a research paper called the Omega-3 study, uh, which the full study you can see on our website under the uh, articles and uh, documents section of our, uh, our site, uh, where we took 71 people that felt that they had been abducted and 51 is a control group. And we, we found that they, they had no psychopathology. They were not fantasy prone. Their worldview was changed dramatically. Their temporal lobe activity was different than the control. Really? Which is, yeah, which is a, a very interesting uh, uh, part of this whole thing. And I think it goes back to, you know, the type of research that uh, Gary Nolan and, and Kit Green are doing and looking at the, uh, the brains of these people uh, because they seem to be able to transmit and, and receive signals, uh, uh, you know, uh, telepathically. And, uh, uh, and this is a, a, another fact. Psychic abilities, uh, telepathic capabilities, healing abilities, being able to heal people or being healed by, by the entities. I mean, I was flying back uh, from uh, Richmond, Virginia, uh, from a MUFON uh, symposium, and I happened to be sitting next to the director of uh, St. Jude Hospital. And we started talking, and uh, before she had become uh, the head of St. Jude, uh, she was at another hospital, and she told me this story about a woman that was uh, going in for cancer surgery uh, one morning. And uh, the woman said to the doctor, no, I, I, I don't need it. And they said, well, you know, maybe she's freaking out. You know, she doesn't want to have it. And, and she says, no, 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 they, they came last night and they, they, they took care of it. And so that they, they said, okay, we're going to wheel her in. We're going to, but we're going to do another exam, you know, uh, uh, photographic exam and see, see what's going on. And sure enough, it was all gone. <laughs> there was nothing there to, wow. to, you know, uh, extract. So. Uh, and there was multiple cases. She told me a couple of other ones uh, that were more complicated, but I can't remember them now. But that one really stuck with me. And I, you know, Kathleen Martin uh, in one of her books uh, uh, written about the fact that this orb went into a gentleman and, who had cancer and cured him. Interesting. That that's even more interesting because we uh, recently read. Skinwalkers, Skinwalkers at the Pentagon, at the Pentagon. and they had the opposite effect. Yeah, just the opposite effect. Yeah, I also like true. how you knew that, like right away. You <laughs> yeah, knew where I was going. That's good. Yeah, that's I so did. Yeah, I read the. I have it right here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fascinating. Uh, well, and it kind of goes back to the how confusing it it is to try to get at the motivation mm -hmm. of of these entities because just as often as they help us, they seem to hurt us. You have to wonder if our own intent is somehow involved in that too. Yeah. I think we, what we have is a situation where we have good people and, and bad people here on earth, uh, True. you know, in this reality. And I think we got the same thing going on up there. We have good yeah. ones and we got bad ones. And, uh, you know, evidently, luckily the majority have, have been, good ones uh and uh, it's a minority that are the, the the culprits where you've had negative uh situations going on you know with the skinwalker ranch uh matter of fact there's a gentleman by the name of uh, james keenan uh who just did a presentation to the mufon ert group uh last sunday and uh He's been he's been investigating the Skinwalker Ranch and working with the uh, you know uh, 
uh, Fugel and Brandon Fugel and that whole group over there. And he came up with some incredible stuff that I've never heard before. And uh, he's going to present at the Disclosure and Vernal this uh, uh, disclosure uh, conference in Vernal, Utah, the end of the month. Uh, and he, he couldn't tell us the real juicy stuff, I guess, until uh -huh. he makes that presentation. But uh, I'm uh, waiting with bated breath to, to hear the rest of this story. But uh, yeah, there's, there's something going on very deep in that area. And, uh, and I've heard psychics talk about it. Matter of fact, I, I, uh, I, I commissioned two two psychics to look at that place and they both came back with pretty much the same thing uh that there there is probably a, a significant uh event going on but probably about a mile down oh like a mile down beneath the earth yeah oh I mean that's that. I mean that's kind of one of the going theories that they have on the show right now. To like on the Secrets of Skinwalker Ranch show, if that's what, if we're still talking about the ranch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Absolutely. I just remember they were still trying to figure out if it was above the ranch or below it. Yeah, because they were trying to. Well, I dig. think the, the the effects are some of it is is above certainly above. Uh, but uh, uh, the the real. I guess action is down below. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, like what, what the one rule that they, that they had for so long was no digging. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So you got to think that there's, I mean, there's a reason, right? There's got to mm -hmm. be a reason. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, okay. Well, like on that topic, as we're talking about some are good experiences, some are bad. And with Skinwalker Ranch, we have also the trickster element that comes up quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, and one thing that has come up quite a bit in our research between ufologists like Jacques Vallée, John Keeler, Whitley Strieber, is that they often bring up the commonalities between alien abduction lore and fairy abduction lore. Uh, and so I guess our question for you is, do you think that the old fairy tales are stories of contact with UFO occupants? Or is there some other element at play here which may explain these commonalities? Of course, just speculating. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I've never really thought about the, the, the fairy portion of that. Uh, you know, uh, it, it, it's certainly another aspect of the, of the phenomena, probably, that uh, uh, it could be connected in some way as well. Uh, why not? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, throw in leprechauns and, you know, gnomes and, <laughs> you know, my wife is into making gnomes. But, <laughs> I, you know, I, well, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, and. Thinking about it, though, I mean, like, think about, say, Whitley Strieber. One of the entities he saw were these squat, uh, stocky dwarves, effectively, with the leathery skin. Yeah, bluish. Yeah. It'd be very easy to say, go back to, uh, you know, third century Ireland. They'd see that and say, well, that's a red cap. You right. know, that yeah. is uh, one of the little people who lives in the hills. Mm -hmm. uh, well, you got the indigenous Indian tribes that talk about the ant people. Mm -hmm. uh you know that yeah. that's very prevalent uh so i i think there's all kinds of things that are going on uh that uh you know either we can see uh in our our ability to see with our eyes you know our spectrum is very narrow but what's going on beyond that spectrum you know that we can't see for whatever reason so it's uh and at times maybe these things uh uh materialize uh because they have a certain capability to do so. And, and that's, that's something, you know, you talk about people, uh, you might have a group of people and some people see this UFO up in the sky and other people don't see it. And why is that? 
Mm-hmm. You know, is it because these people uh, have a, a different spectrum, uh, you know, ability to, you know, see w- with their eyes, uh, their spectrum is is wider in, for some reason, or it's in a different area, uh, slightly different uh, than the other people, so they can't see it? it. I mean, there's all kinds of, mm-hmm. of phenomena like that, that uh, people have talked about, you know, where there's groups and some of them see it and some of them don't. Very interesting. Thank you for that. Uh, so pivoting topics slightly, I just wanted um, to ask you, in the paranormal sphere, we constantly have to be on the lookout for frauds or fabricated experience. Uh, in your years with both MUFON and later with Opus, did you have you ever encountered any people that you later realized were making up their experiences? And if so, what do you think motivates those little performances? Well, I think that the the motivation uh, is 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 that people are looking to to uh, uh, you know be recognized in some way, shape, or form, um, and that they 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 feel that this is a way for them to do it. Uh, we've certainly had people over the years that have come to us that uh, uh, you know it is it's very obvious uh, when you either talk to them or in their writings. Uh, it becomes obvious that there's just something else going on here. Uh, and, and in a lot of those cases, uh, we recommend that they uh, perhaps see a, a mental health practitioner. Uh, <laughs> Good answer. Or, yeah. Or, 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 or you know, th- that we, we feel that we, we would not be able to help them. Um, and uh, but uh, it's really been interesting for so many people that we've dealt with that the majority of the people, when you talk to them, Hey, I, I'm, I, 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 you know, I, I, I think I'm going crazy or, uh, you know, I, I hope you don't think I'm crazy, but you know, this is what's going on with me and I don't know where to turn. I mean, you can hear it in their voice and it, 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 it it's, it's so real that, um, you know, uh, that you, you you understand immediately that uh, there is something seriously going on. I used to get these uh, phone calls uh, uh, from uh, MUFON in the early days. And uh, this this one young man uh, contacted uh, them and then it was sent to me. And uh, it, he was talking about the fact that he was out fishing with his buddies and that this huge bright light came over their boat and they 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 don't remember anything you know and uh uh the next day they they had certain effects and everything and nobody talked about it and he said you know i know what i saw and i don't know where to turn on that kind of a conversation and you know that's this 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 guy's not making this up something really happened that scared the crap out of him and you know he needs he needs some kind of help, and so that's what we do, and, and uh, we try to point them in the right direction as best we can. We don't have answers for everything. <laughs> that that's right. unfortunate because there there's not many answers. You know, it's it, the best thing that we do is to send them to the support group, put them into the support group, so that they can talk to other people that have similar circumstances, so they can commiserate with one another. And once that happens. It's it's a remarkable how beneficial that has been. I got to imagine just being able to get that off your chest would be huge. Oh, yeah. Well, and just like with anything, like 
finding people who have had similar experiences, the same experience or anything, it, it helps well, it helps validate you and how you're feeling in, inside of it all. But it also like, it just, it takes a weight off your shoulders to know that you're not alone in, exactly. in any of these experiences. Exactly, Rory. Exactly. All right. Well, that is very, very cool. Nopus sounds like uh, an amazing organization. There's a very noble effort you guys are making. I, absolutely. And I'm sure it is a, uh, a heck of an undertaking trying to do everything that you're doing, with, especially with the influx that is, that is happening right now. It, it, I, I tell you what, I, it, two to three hours a day, at least, at mm. least dealing, dealing with this. Uh, but, I, you know, uh, there's been times when I've said, okay, I've had enough. I'm going to hang it up. But then I get a phone call. And, you know, it's, it's the universe won't let me stop <laughs> or they, they don't let me stop. <laughs> yeah. That's usually how it goes, right? You get dragged into this in a way that you didn't, that you didn't necessarily imagine. And then you're, you're held, you, you get held into it for as long as they want you to be. Yeah. Like, you know, having yeah. a best friend randomly go, Hey, you want to do a podcast? And me just going, sure. Could not thinking <laughs> that through. And uh, here we are. <laughs> there you are. Now, before we move to the final question we have, I, I did want to ask, uh, you mentioned the Omega-3 project. Uh, mm -hmm. Would you mind going into what that was a little bit? Sure. Yeah, I mentioned it briefly uh, before. Uh, what we did is uh, uh, two psychologists and myself uh, uh, put together this uh, questionnaire, uh, psychological questionnaire, basically. And... Uh, we took 71 people that were uh, felt that they had contact with non-human intelligences, and um, we had uh, 51 people that were a control group. And uh, uh, the findings, uh, like I said, the 28-page report is in, in the uh, uh, website, our website, under the uh, articles and documents section. Mm -hmm. In general, abductees experience your profile differently uh, than do the comparison counterparts on a number of general psychological and specific neurological variables. Yet there is remarkable similarities between experiential group and a comparison group. It should be noted that in no case did experiencers or comparison group participants show any signs of mental illness or personality disorder. Okay. And that's a big thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very big oh, thing. yeah. Well, especially because that's the go-to for, uh, you know, the dogmatic debunkers to say, mm -hmm. well, they're just crazy. Right. Exactly. Fantasy proneness does not appear to pl play a differentiating role between the experiential and the control groups. However, sensitivity to alternative realities and early and recurrent paranormal or psi experiences seem to play a role in the abduction experience. Childhood conflicts, so, psychosocial tension, and abuse and trauma more than likely facilitate a dissociative coping style in later life. How much a part dissociation plays in the abduction experience remains an open question. Uh, both experience with an interest in the abduction phenomena have impact on how one's body is perceived to function, how one views the world and one's purpose in it, and how one defines or redefines one's faith, traditions, and beliefs. In essence, both experience with and interest in contact seem to change one's sense of self and one's worldview, which we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, abductees experiences believe that there is a sentient, purposive alien intelligence at play in their lives and at work in the world. What the intelligence's goals are seem to be more beneficent than malevolent, more benign than malignant. Um, and then we talked about the uh, temporal level activity, the the the. Um, uh, brain generally and the temporal lobes and limbic system more particularly play a mediating role in the anomalous experiences such as abduction. This in no way implies that abductions are all or only in the abductees' heads. 
And then this follow-on that we're doing with the omega-4, the first phase we just finished with the uh, therapist, now we're going to go out to the clients of those therapists okay. uh, with a, a more uh, a rigorous uh, uh, questionnaire, uh, more, more lengthy, uh, over 200 questions to uh, answer. Is that part of the omega-4 or is that omega-5? No, that's omega four. It's just part one and part two. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, that ve- sounds very, very cool. We're going to be excited to see the results of that yeah, uh, whenever they say. get published. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. We we plan to publish them. Yes. All right. Cool. All right. Well, that moves us to our final question, which should be the easiest one. Uh, what's next for Les, and where can people find your work? Well, uh, first of all, the uh, the book, the unknown other, and the existential proposition of alien contact. Uh, you can find. Uh, by going to our website, opusnetwork.org, and on our homepage, you'll see a picture of it. And you click on that, and it takes you to Amazon. And you can so you can go directly to Amazon. Uh, we have a Kindle version. If you're a Kindle Prime, it's free. A uh, oh, you know, cool. regular Kindle is like $9.99, and then the, the, the paperback version is $20. Bucks. Um, and all, all the proceeds of that go directly to Opus. I don't get a cent for it. I, that's my donation to the cause. Very cool. So, uh, and then as far as any, uh, I'm, I'm contemplating going to this year's uh, MUFON Symposium in Denver uh, in July. I was at uh, the, the symposium in uh, Las Vegas last year uh, where I presented to the experiencer group there uh, a couple of mornings. So I may be doing a similar thing this year. I haven't decided yet for sure, <laughs> depending mm-hmm. upon uh, w- what's the next thing. And uh Continue to do programs uh, like yours. Uh, this is something where um, I feel very strongly about the fact that the, the word needs to get out that we exist and that we're here to help people. And uh, so if you guys get calls from people looking for assistance, please send them our way. We absolutely will. Absolutely, we will. All right. Well, thank you so, so, so much for coming on our show. This was a lot of fun for us. We hope you had a great time as well. Absolutely. All right, great. Well, have a great evening. Thank you very much, guys. Really appreciate it. Take a walk with us.